If you believe, then just throw on a pair of your comfiest, coziest headphones and get ready to enjoy another episode of RSL Season Pass, brought to you by your fearless hosts, Alex, Ethan, and Cody, as they bring you up to speed on all the latest news and rumors about Real Salt Lake. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RSL Season Pass. I am Ethan Kershaw, and I am joined today by Cody Kershaw and, he's back, Alex Maurer, to bring you all things Real Salt Lake for the last week. Yes, it's been one-week turnaround. We're back talking uh, defenders in this episode. We're going to go ahead and review uh, the defenders for RSL, how their season went, maybe a little bit of an outlook for next year as well. But before we jump into that one, Got our pod trivia segment back on the docket. Alex has a question cooked up for Cody and I. Uh, no Monarchs Minute on the episode. We do have a, quite a bit of news for the Royals. Uh, this is the second week where we've got a lot of news for the Royals. So Royal Roundup will be available today. We've got some club news to talk about as well. And then after the club news, we'll get into that Defenders review. But before we do all of that, Alex, you're back. You've returned from the depths of the school teaching job uh how are you doing i was doing great during third period when my lesson absolutely crushed today and then i was doing much worse in seventh period when the lesson did not go as well and i got observed by my principal so i gotta say that was a tough one but that aside everything is going very well and the lesson i don't know it was a good one but uh they just you know some classes just respond a little bit differently and life goes on uh much like you know any team in mls can win on any day any tea or any period in the eight that I have can choose to not read the book. And that is negatively impacting the way that they respond to some of the lessons, but I digress. It has been a great time all in all. And I am glad to be back. Thank you, Ethan, for the kind introduction. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's glad to hear. It's good to hear your voice. I think uh, with your absence kind of on Twitter, I think people are probably wondering if you're even alive. So it's, it's good to hear that you're alive and well at this point. Uh, schools. schools I, are <laughs> speaking of Twitter, I also had to go private because kids were looking up my social media. So Twitter is like, I'm really, it's a, <laughs> it's a dead space for me now. That sounded really weird, but that sentence was really uh, interesting. Anyways, <laughs> Cody, how are you doing tonight? Good. Better than Alex, I don't have kids looking me up on Twitter, so I'm in a great place. Um, <laughs> but you will have they found my letterboxed account. That was what tipped me off. Was that uh, puts you in such a weird position? I, I could only imagine. Um, anyway, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, life has been carrying on the same as it has been previously. Uh, we are chugging closer to our date of having a baby, which is crazy that it's about three months away now. Wow! Um, and then life will be just a, a big change for me. So. We are preparing for that. We've got a lot of stuff that we have worked on uh, in preparation for that. But um, aside from that, everything else is pretty much same old, same old for me. Ethan, what about you? How you doing? Good. We're recording this episode on a Tuesday evening. Nowadays, usually our best day that we can find to record. So it's good to be able to be back uh, with an RSL Season Pass episode. Uh, had a good week with the family. Uh, took my daughter to her her first ever symphony, which was pretty fun, um, because she's interesting. She's not like most babies. We'll stick the symphony on, and she will just she loves listening to the music and like dances around with it. And so we finally were able to take her to her first symphony uh, this last week, 
And unfortunately, she was very tired, so we only stayed for about half of it. But the half that she was there for, she loved. She was like dancing around, very happy. So it was a fun time. Um, and then, so was it yesterday? I mean, last week I, I went to the dentist to get a checkup done. And I haven't been able to chew on the left side of my mouth for like years. And dentists have uh, told me, eh, could be like a, a loose filling or whatever. So no one's giving me a straight answer. Well, I went to the, the dent, a new dentist uh, last week and they told me that I needed to get some work done. So I did that. And they're like, do you want the, the main dentist guy whose name is like on the dentist place? Or like, because like it'll be like two months of a wait. Or you can get this other guy. Who's like, he's available next week. I'm like, oh. He's the Alex of our dentist office. He's been a dentist for two months. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I didn't, they didn't tell me that. But I was, I was thinking this guy must have been pretty experienced. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, he's, he's available next week. So I'm like, I'm like, sure, why not? So I sign up for him and I get there. And this dude couldn't have been older than like 30 years old. And I wonder if I was like one of his like uh, single digit patients wise or like maybe double digits like there was a time where he would like put something in my mouth and he's like nope that's not gonna work pulls it out puts another thing he's like nope uh -uh, not quite sticks a third thing and he's like yep that's what it is that that's what works i'm like to his credit dentists do that a lot because every mouth is different so that's true to his credit nothing wrong with people under 30 let's just get that clear i mean that's another good point alex is also under 30 and as am i so i'm just saying like if you walked into a dentist (laughs) and you're gonna get work done on your teeth would you rather see a dentist who's like 40 50 years old or would you see like rather see like a dude who's under 30 maybe he's got new fresh ideas baby I want to see see whoever's going to take care of my mouth. That's who I exactly. Yeah. I think that's usually an an older guy for me. Um, I feel more comfortable if I see like an older guy for some reason. I don't know, but he, and I'm not saying that younger guys can't be good, but like, dude, he was like questioning some things that he was doing and his assistant seemed pretty new as well. And I felt like a Guinea pig and it sucked. Um, And my tooth kind of hurts still. Um, he said it was going to be sore a few days, but hopefully that shapes up and gets better. And that I, could have something to do with the fact that you haven't been able to chew on that side for years. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true. Could be why it still hurts. I'm hoping that the work they did eventually fixes it, and maybe a week from now I can chew on that side of my mouth and be normal again, because I would love that. I just Fingers remember, Ethan, crossed. everybody starts somewhere. Yes, it's true. It's true. I probably had to, to be the Play the kids, baby. Him. Play the kids. <laughs> the all the kids. way down from the Monarchs to... Everybody, <laughs> I don't know the name of your dentist. I mean, Ethan, move us along, please. We're too far off the rails already. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, man, it was rough and scary. Uh, but mentioned all the things we got on the episode today. We're excited to talk about the defenders today. The other pieces of big news. Before we do all of that, though, follow RSL Season Pass at RSL Season Pass on Twitter, and you can find all of our episodes where Alex RSL excuse me, www.rslseasonpass.com. Yes, that's right. You can't forget the www. Um, Also, while you're over there, leave a question in the pod trivia database to help Alex out a little bit more. And thank you, everybody who has left a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the the podcast grow and uh, and helps us get, uh, I guess, more notoriety, which we're not looking for that, but we just like reaching more people and more fans that we possibly can because... Uh, we like talking about RSL. We feel like we put out a pretty good product as well. So uh, if you've enjoyed the episode today, after you've listened, go ahead and leave a rating or review. I appreciate it. 
Um, we have to start off with a question for Cody, and I'm not thrilled about it because, I mean, I don't know, I've been on a good streak lately, but uh, we'll see if that streak's near an end. Alex, let us know what the pod trivia question of the day is today. I sure will. This question comes from Cole via the pod trivia database. And based on the timing of this question, I have to imagine it was inspired by news that we will get to later on in this episode. But the question is this for you to rank these head coaches from best winning percentage to worst. Your options are in alphabetical order by last name, Freddie Juarez, Jason Christ, Pablo Mastroeni, and Mike Petke. Those are your four options, and you must rank them from best winning percentage to worst. And Cody, I am going to throw it to you first. And you don't have to give me all four, but I do want you to go first and give me one that you think is the top, who has the best winning percentage of those four coaches. I mean, the obvious uh, one that jumps out that I would want to pick would be Jason Kreis. Uh, I, I think that's who I'm going to pick. Uh Okay. Probably because it's the obvious choice. However, I know you do this to, to us all the time where the obvious choice is not the right choice. So, um, and really approach. in my head, in my brain, this feels like Jason Christ is number one. And then Freddie, Mike Petke, and Pablo are all tied for number two. I was the, about to say, same it's, it's Jason Christ and then Gap. And then, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you want us to rank the other ones? If you've got four, I want to hear four. So you're I mean, both locked in with Jason at one. Yeah, I can I can do it unless Cody, do you want to go first? Because I got to give you the opportunity to go first. I'm gonna say Jason, uh, uh, Jason, Pablo, Petke, Freddie. I'm I'm going to just for the vibes because I feel like it's a very vibes answer. I'm gonna say Christ, Petke, uh, Masterani, and then Freddie Juarez. You are both wrong. You've got the first one correct. Jason Christ at a 55% win percentage. But after that, you both put Freddie last, and he actually comes in second. So Jason at 55, Freddie at 53. Then we see Pablo at 51 and Petke at 48. Uh, Jeff Kassar was left off this list, but according to this Wikipedia page, he was at 50%. So actually, Mike Petke, out of all those guys, has the worst Winning percentage, Freddie Juarez comes in second place after only Jason Christ. Who has the best vibes? Be honest. Oh, man, I don't even know. (laughs) Jeff Kassar probably is my honest answer, actually. Mike Pecky, he was fun. He's a hoot. For all the wrong reasons, he was fun. But yes, there is our pod trivia question. Thank you, Cole, for sending that in. Uh, Reminder, yes, you can go find those at the website, Pod Trivia Database. It's pretty easy, pretty fun. Thank you for your contributions. Yeah, Ethan, thank you, Cole. Back to you. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Alex, for the question. Uh, as I mentioned, no Monarchs minute on the episode. Still in the offseason for those guys. Uh, still trying to shape some stuff up. We'll have more news probably for the Monarchs in the new year. Uh, Cody, we do have a Royal Roundup, though. Let us know what is happening with the Royals. All righty, I will do that. We have got the we've got quite a bit of news actually uh, for what's going on. It's not a ton of major stuff. We've got one more signing that was announced, uh, and she goes by the name of Imani Dorsey. Uh, she comes via free agency. Uh, the last team that she played with was Gotham FC, and I believe that was just this this year in 2023. Uh, an interesting fact about her: she actually stepped away from playing soccer for a few months due to her. Uh, mental health. She had a pretty nice story that she posted about this, about 
uh, just kind of self-care and, and making sure that, you know, everyone's taking care of themselves. And um, I guess she has decided that now is the time to come back. And uh, it was just a, a brief break. Um, but some other facts about her, she actually won her, she won rookie of the year for her rookie year in the NWSL. That was in 2018. Um, and she has had some appearances for the women's national team. Um, so she's probably going to be a, a decent signing for the team. It seems like right now it's another, it's another person to sign to fill a roster space for the time being and someone who we probably didn't have to do a whole lot to get, um, as are some of the other signings that we've had so far. And then just a reminder, we've got a couple of NWSL drafts coming up. We have the expansion draft that will take place on December 15th. Um, that will have that will see both sides, the Utah Royals and the Bay FC, both expansion teams, uh, be able to draft players from other teams. Um, we have the second pick in that draft. The Bay FC has the first. Um, I wrote some rules down, but I'm not going to go through all of them, but just something to keep in mind. Every team can protect a total of nine players and all other players must be unprotected. There are certain exceptions to that. Players under 18 are also protected. Um, so anyway, it, outside of those nine players, everybody else is basically up for grabs for the Bay FC and for Utah Royals. Um, and then the uh, NWSL draft will be coming up as well. That will be uh, on January 12th. And we actually have the first overall pick in that draft. And we have five picks total. Um, we have acquired a pick from, I'm not 100% sure, I think it was San Diego in the second round. So we've got three picks through the first and second round. Hopefully we can pick up some young, some good young players from that. Um, the interesting thing about that, I think, is that the U.S. has created a pretty good pipeline for women to, to get to the national team and to get to uh, the professional level of play. Um, so really this draft, I think, if you're putting it in comparison to the draft that takes place in Major League Soccer, I think there's probably better quality that comes out of this draft uh, for, for what you're getting. So we might end up with some good players from that. Uh, time will tell. But that will take place in January, and that pretty much wraps up our Royal Roundup for now. Likely a lot more player signings to come up, so stay tuned if that is what you are here for. Yes, just a side note as well to that, all, all teams that have traded players to us in the offseason, I believe are protected from the expansion draft. So we are unable to take players from those teams that have traded players to us to this point, part of the trade. Um, thank yeah. you, Cody. Yes, um, and I agree. There's going to be a lot of things coming up. Our plan uh, in place right now is to record next week to do a review on the midfielders. Um, and just add some some news that is happening with RSL if anything happens in, in this next week. We're, then we're going to take uh, like a Christmas break, a Christmas and New Year break. So we'll be off um, probably until the second week or so of January. And that episode's going to have a lot of a lot of Royal Roundup news, I'm sure. Uh, a lot of new player signings, players from the draft. Uh, it'll be a fun episode. Hopefully not as long as I'm thinking right now it might be. But uh, regardless, yes, there will be more news. We'll keep you up to date on all of those pieces of news. Club news now. Um, I'm calling this the fallout of Fallout. Elliot Fall, uh, now gone as the GM for RSL. Uh, relieved of his duties, there were rumors that he was in talks with the team to remain with the team in some different capacity. Um, unclear on what that might be or if that actually will happen. But for the time being, 
This is huge news. Elliot Fall is out as the GM for the team, and now there is a vacancy. Um, Alex, I know you have a lot to say, so I'm going to give you some time to to talk to us and tell us about what you think about this move. I greatly appreciate the runway, Ethan, and I do have a lot to say, but I don't know that I'm as emotionally charged as I thought I might be when this day came, because I, like a lot of people, probably feel that Elliot Fall deserved to stick around. I don't know that he was great. I don't know that he ever moved the needle for the roster, but over the last six months, I don't know exactly how much more you could have asked for him. Bringing in Chicho was a huge move. Bringing in guys like Kevon Lambert, Nelson Palacio were decent depth pieces. Brian Vera, Carlos Andres Gomez, I don't know too much about. Uh, Delens Pierre, Luis Rivera. I've got the whole list in front of me right now, so that's what I'm looking at. I've really debated just speaking the entire list into this microphone. I don't know that it's worthwhile. The Deloy Hansen era and the era that followed, it's a lot of misses because he was spending zero money. And then as soon as he gets a little bit of cash, I actually don't really hate the moves. I don't think he was perfect. I've critiqued him a lot throughout this podcast in the time that you know we've kind of spent covering the team. And I think a lot of that's been warranted. And I don't even know that he would push back on much of the critiques that we have as a podcast. I think his biggest miss is Brian Vera. I don't understand that move at all. When we were looking for a center back, why go out and spend TAM money on a left back and then try to convert him when you could have just spent the money on a center back. But I don't really want to get too deep into the nitty gritty with each and every signing that he's made because I just don't feel that that is as productive uh, a way to spend this time as the broader big picture stuff. And when you're looking at the press release, they mention that they are looking to bring in someone who can essentially better develop the youth, the terminology they use. I don't know. I can look it up, but they are focused on building. I think more through the Academy and the Monarchs, which if there's anything you can really hold against Elliot, it's that the youth have really not had an opportunity to shine here. We made it all the way to the 17 and a half minute mark before I said his name. Haziel Orozco should have been a starter this year in many, many, many games and just wasn't given that opportunity. Other guys like Elijah Paul showed well, but never got a chance with the team. Bertan Jacquesin does well with the Monarchs, does well early season, doesn't really get much of an opportunity. Those guys, not super young, but then you look at some of the others that are breaking through and it's just hard to ask a lot. We kind of had a lost generation with the Academy between the guys like Justin Glad and all the way now to Axel Kai. Really not a lot of contributors have come up through those years. And I think a lot of that does fall on Elliot Fall because he is so central to that vision during that time period. And if that's the reason you want to move away from that guy, I actually think that's a really valid step for this organization to take. And I think it's a real big boy step to take. This is kind of a decision that you don't see too often from this organization, a real pivotal change. And to see it now so soon after new ownership has taken over shows me that they are legit. I really do think they care. I really think they are interested in winning. And that goes to show just how far, or rather it goes to show in their actions based on the money they've spent on the roster. And now some of these personnel decisions I also feel, and I'm wondering if you two feel the same, because we've spent a lot of time talking to kind of both of these guys. I don't think he ever had a real strong working relationship with Pablo Mastroeni. I just never saw it. They never really went to bat for one another. I think the furthest he ever went was on an interview with Spence Chekett saying that uh, Pablo got 
like undeserved criticism, but that was pretty much it. They never seemed like they were, I don't want to say defensive or I mean, even protective worth, of one another. It just didn't seem like they ever both quite of them together. The exit interview with both of them together was like kind of awkward. And like, I think Elliot said something nice about Pablo and like turned to him and like gave him an awkward smile. And it was like kind of weird. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I, it just I feels kind of power struggle e. But to me, I'm confused as to why he wasn't outright fired. And not that I'm saying I wish he was gone because I, I don't like I think he's been fine and he's been with the club for so long. And I think he's done a lot of really good things and carried us through some hard times. But where else do you see him going? If you don't see him being the general manager, do you think? say he's going to go to the monarchs is he the monarchs general manager does he go back to some of the communication side of things like he started out as as an intern does he become more like team administration i don't understand why you're still in communications with him because you have to imagine that's a very massive demotion and if you accept a demotion like that you're pretty much uh waving goodbye to any opportunities in a in an mls front office i have to assume and maybe that's what he wants. And maybe the job was stressful. And he never seemed like a guy that really loved a lot of the work that went into being a GM, such as the radio and the press and uh, player signings and things. He never struck me as a guy that was really into that sort of thing. And so if he just wasn't interested in the job from that sense, then I can kind of see why you might want to take something else. But I'm still a little bit confused as to why his name is still around. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, mention that the Jason Christ rumors are for not general manager and not a coach on Pablo's staff. So that just to me adds even more confusion. Like what other step in the ladder is there? Like Kurt Schmidt is being promoted to sporting director instead of technical director. I don't really know that there is a distinction there other than title. And if it is a distinction, it hasn't been made clear to any of us what that actually is. His job description before was really nebulous, and I assume it will remain that way. Does Jason Christ come in above or below Kurt Schmidt? Does Tony Beltran move to full-time GM, or are we actually going to do a worldwide search? Not that those things are totally incongruent and one can't happen without the other. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but none of them are really divisive. I really just don't think this is the biggest move in the world. I thought we were a good team with Elliot Fall. I think we have the opportunity to become a great team without him, but I also think we had that same opportunity with him here. I don't know that he was exactly what was holding us back. If the option was to choose between and keep either Pablo or Elliot, I don't know what option I would have taken either. So I think Pablo probably just gave a more convincing exit interview and he's the guy that gets to stick around. Also losing his whole staff doesn't feel like a massive vote of confidence in the guy, but clearly if you're keeping him around, like he is your guy. So I don't really understand that either. I've gone on for far too long. Cody, please, out of all of that information, what is the most important or stands out the most to you? Well, for what it's worth, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but the thing that stands out to me the most is just the shakeup. I mean, obviously this is a lot of changes. This is some pretty big changes. Um, I, I tend to agree with the fact that I don't, I mean, I tweeted this out that I don't think Elliot really earned this or deserved this, whichever way you want to put it or, you know, absolutely fair too. I think he was the youngest of all time uh, to be an MLS general manager. And I think you're right. He didn't really, 
earn it. Like it was just kind of a Deloitte Hansen penny pinching move in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I think, and, and you're right. This is very different than it, Cause this is his contract running out. If I'm not mistaken, right? This is not yes, just They chose to not him. renew or extend his contract, which is a very different feel than if they go and say, Hey, you're fired because you've done a bad sure. job. Um, and so you're right. Maybe they are looking at some different role for him. It's just so ominous. I think it, all of it's ominous. We don't have a lot of clear answers as to what's happening. The fact that Jason Christ is, is potentially coming back, not as a GM, not as a head coach, as what then? You know, what what is he what is he qualified for? What what can he step into to help uh, this club with? Um, I I don't I, I agree with the fact that you said I don't think Elliot Fall was was the piece that was holding us back, especially after some of the players that we got. I think those players made a really good impact for our team this year. Uh, Elliot fall in the past had talked about these, some of these players that we signed, we signed for the future and he's not going to be a part of that future now. Um, and so I, I, I don't know where the disconnect was between Elliot fall and the rest of, of management. Um, but I, I guess it gives us an opportunity to bring somebody in who can be a really good GM. I don't think Elliot fall was a really good GM. He was fine. Um, I just, I, I don't know if we'll do that. If we do, great. If we don't, I think it's still fine. So that's that's my thought on it. It's fine. I don't know if you guys it's saw that, that lady who <laughs> made the tater tot casserole thing. That was a funny video. Anyway. <laughs> I have not seen the tater tot. <laughs> was it a fine thing. tater tot casserole? No, it's just, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a pretty viral video at this point. You guys should watch it. Um, it's, it's hilarious, actually. It's really funny. Um, my thoughts on it are, I mean, <clears throat> I think, I, I think I agree a lot with what you guys are saying in the sentiment um, that Elliot didn't really deserve to get let go of. There, but he been... also didn't deserve a renewed contract. So I think that's a really important distinction you've made, Cody. I, I mean, I, I do think though, I, I think that he has been trying to do stuff with what he has been given. Think of the moves that he made as GM when essentially Blitzer the Blitzer group was rather unwilling to spend money. He went out and traded away players and traded away picks for allocation money. That was the way to, to get money, to be able to collect his own money, to be able to go spend on players. I feel like a little bit of that at least got kind of the big spending kick started with the team. And then when Blitzer group was like, all right, let's go ahead and start spending, like brings in guys. Now, I mean, obviously these guys are all pretty young other than, Chicho, who's already kind of proven himself, so it remains to be seen how how good these these players are and, and how good um, those signings are. But I think that Elliot did a lot of good with what he was given, which wasn't a lot at times, really. Um, I think another thing too, I've heard a little bit of like some rumblings of maybe. I mean, Alex, you mentioned this guy's young; like he's not he's not an older GM. He's a younger guy. He's got a younger family. Um, there were rumblings that like. He even said it too in the off season. He's like the off season is like really busy for us as GMs, which makes sense. Like he said, there were a lot of nights he was he was spending working, like working a lot, a lot of overtime. Um, I would imagine that that weighs pretty heavily on a guy not being able to see your family quite a bit. And I think that that also plays a little bit into this decision. Probably a little bit of him saying, "Look, I'm overloaded. I want to spend some more time with my family. I want to be a little more flexible." And I think this is going to allow him the opportunity to be able to do that. Um, so I, for, for what it's worth, I liked Elliot. 
um, I mean, I was okay with him. And I thought, that, I mean, I would have been fine still if he was still the GM. So like, like, like you say, Cody, this will give us an opportunity to be able to go out and get a guy who is actual, like maybe a proven GM, a guy who really knows how to run a team, and maybe it's a better move for the team in the end. Is it possible that that guy is Tony Beltran? I think I think if it is, you're you're doing the same thing, probably with someone who has less pedigree. Uh, I, I, to me, it wouldn't make sense to do that. It wouldn't make sense to get rid of somebody like Elliot Fall, who has experience doing this, yeah. to replace him with Tony Beltran because Tony Beltran is what an ex-player, part of the organization has been. I mean, around. he's been the assistant general manager for however many years now and has done good work with the monarchs how many years has he has he been the assistant three i want to say he retired in 2019 and then immediately started so three probably closer to four he's he's experienced i would say he's not you know entirely green to this he has been in charge of the monarchs for a long time and has recently taken over more rsl responsibilities and in the press release they do say that he will continue to take on more of the responsibilities left in the wake of this decision but i don't think that's gm I think he would. I think, I think he, he could I think it is. take on this role. I think if he stepped in, we'd end up doing the same thing that we've done with all of, not all of, our, our recent head coaches, where the assistant mm-hmm. steps in and he's now the head coach forever. Uh, but to me, it's a lateral move. It's it's the same thing, yeah. uh, essentially. I, I like Aside the fact that Elliot Falls had the experience of being the general manager, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only difference to me. I, th- I think I agree with that. I like Tony Beltran, but Alex, he's not that guy. Um, I, I just don't know that that's I don't know that that's true. I think he I, might be. Okay, uh, he he could be. That's true. We never know because we haven't seen him in a GM position yet. So he very well could. He's be. been but, assistant GM for the last like three years. It yeah. is a GM position. I know it would be his first full. Is it assistant gig. GM or is it assistant to the GM? Assistant to the regional general manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Pablo Mastroeni was the assistant to Freddie Juarez and. I mean, Freddie was, Pablo as was Mike Petke. You know, he was in charge of the Monarchs too. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Horrible we'll see. winning um, percentage, Mike Petke. I don't know. I just think it's not. I think it's an option. I think it's a legitimate yeah. option. And we hear this all the time in soccer that they're going to do a quote global search and then they hire from within. And you can do both things. You can do a global search and then still promote the guy who's waiting in the wings. And I, I like Tony. He's just, I don't know. He's he's. I think he is built for it. Truly. Tony. And I think you need a good staff underneath him. But if you're also looking to continue to progress the academy and the connection to the Monarchs and the connection to the first team, might not be a bad idea to promote the guy that just worked for the last three years on rebuilding the Monarchs in an entirely new way and doing so, in my opinion, relatively successfully. So I don't know. I think it's something to keep an eye on. Tony. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Cody, just, what are you say? just to uh, where, the, where did the Monarchs finish last year? Low. That's just my only they question. Had great, they had a great time. Everybody had fun. <laughs> so look, Tony Beltran, maybe he's the vibes guy. Maybe he's the vibes guy for GM. I don't think Elliot Fall was the vibes guy. So maybe that's a good thing. Hey, if he's the vibes guy, he and Pablo are going to get along great. Exactly. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why they kept Pablo. Um, where do you guys think Jason Christ goes? If he comes back, what does he do know. for us? There's not, not, there's not a job for him. We have a sporting director. We have a club president and John Kimball. Maybe, ooh, now that I say it out loud, maybe he takes John's job. Maybe he takes Hami Sinolave's job. Maybe he coaches. No, because they said it's a non-coach. Well, I guess they said. (laughs) Tom Bogert reported that it's a non-coaching role. 
Okay. And there's no way he would accept Monarchs, right? If he's being no, offered no, assistant coach for the Timbers, there's no way he comes in Timbers. Maybe it's yeah, the assistant to the GM. <laughs> it honestly wouldn't stun me because he's never been in a front office role to the extent of my knowledge. He's been the USU 23 coach, uh, an assistant with Inter-Miami, obviously head coach at Orlando and NYC, both unsuccessfully. I don't think he wants a coaching, jo- a coaching job, and I don't think he's cut out for management scouting maybe we know maybe. our scouting yeah, department maybe. is bare bones perhaps he comes in in that capacity i'm just trying to think of things because there's only so many Luke jobs in the organization. yeah i think i don't know maybe yeah, that's fair i have no idea that's fair we'll see, so, we'll see he, what happens. so is he currently an assistant coach for inter miami jason christ that's what he's doing right now right not i thought because he left when he phil is. Neville left right oh did he okay he was not part of Martino's staff so he's just doing nothing right now yeah i mean he's sitting courtside at the jazz game and the jazz are roasting it so but i think we're all in agreement that we would like jason christ back in the it says on instagram that he is a husband to his lifelong love kimberly and father of two terrific sons so that's what he is right now and head coach of the 2009 MLS cup champions, Real Salt Lake. Uh, yes, Cody, I agree. I think I want him back. Even like, even if it purely is just fan service and vibes. Yeah. dude. <laughs> even I if he's just that. a scout, <laughs> I want that. Like he gave me some of the happiest moments of my childhood. I want, yeah. I want that guy <laughs> rewarded for that. And without Deloitte, like I could see him really thriving here. And he and Pablo are culture builders. It's what they yeah. do. They are good at getting guys to fight. And, we need a little bit more of that, honestly. It's been so stale for so long. And if he sells an extra 2,000 tickets a year, Which you won't, go for it. Um, hey, just a quick quick question to wrap everything up here. Would you rather have Pablo Mastroeni or Jason Kreiss as your head coach? Just for Jason Pablo. Kreiss. Pablo. Whoa. Wow. Hmm. Pablo has had more sustained success than Jason Kreiss has over the last not Not percentage-wise. Christ won us a cup though. over the last five years. Yeah. And he's been, he hasn't been bad everywhere. He's gone. He's been terrible everywhere. He's yeah, gone. Well, the job I, he I did with the U23s was horrific. So I have zero faith in Jason Christ right. as a head coach. I, if Jason Christ comes back, I bet we'll see Kyle happens. Beckerman is somewhere within this RSL umbrella very soon after. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, as, a, as Alex, you kind of alluded to Kurt, uh, Kurt Schmid, 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 Schmid promoted, yeah to what is that is it chief soccer officer was that what it was no director no not director was uh, the sporting director sporting, sporting director. director for rsl um so he gets a promotion within inside hire um and then assistants matt taylor nacho fernandez and brett jacobs released from the team nacho fernandez was a goalkeeping coach the other two guys i believe were just assistants to pablo that opens up some assistant spots alex you mentioned kyle beckerman maybe kyle beckerman's gonna fill that spot um, maybe we can get Nick Armando to go in and be the new goalkeepers coach instead of Nacho. Like that'd be really cool to have these like ex players come back and and do stuff. Mirza should be promoted to the first. Mears team. is great. I, mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if that is a promotion. I think I don't know. But I think Mears I don't know. Yeah. It's been incredible for the Monarchs. I agree. They're with just you. churning out good young keepers. Um, and then just the last piece of news that we have here: Brian Vera and Andres Gomez called up the Colombian national team, I believe. Uh, saw this on Twitter. Um, so they are with the Columbia National Team. It's great to see guys from RSL getting call-ups and giving them something to do in the uh, the MLS offseason. Uh, shall we move on to the Defenders review? Yes. Yes. 
let's go ahead and get into it. We've got, I'm not going to name the number because I don't want to count right now, but we've got several defenders and goalkeepers to review on this episode. Let's go ahead and start things off with Andrew Brody. Andrew Brody played this season at right back and left back. Um, I personally thought he played kind of average, to be honest with you. Uh, last year, got a lot more playing time, a little less this year, due to the emergence of Emeka and Nelly, who we'll also talk about. But I want you guys to... Uh, I've got a little game for you guys. In minutes played for RSL this year, who do you think is one, two, and three on that list? Of defenders or of all players? All players on the team. Zach McMath, number one for me. Number two would be Justin Glad. Number three would be Brian Ojeda. Cody, what do you think? Uh, probably Zach McMath, Justin Glad, and ooh, it's tough. Probably Ojeda. Well, we're talking about Andrew Brody, so I thought one of you guys would be able to figure that out. Um, so no guys... way, he's top three. He is flip-flop the first two. It's Justin Glad getting more minutes than any other player on the team for RSL huh. this year. And then Zach huh. McMath gets second. And Andrew Brody is third on the team in minutes played this year. Something that was very surprising to me. Uh, he Too played 2,264 minutes. Um, so he started 25 games and then subbed in for four. 29 total games played this year. I believe he played something like 30-some-odd games last year. So just a few more minutes played last year. Surprisingly, though, he had two goals and five assists last year. This year, he only has two assists on the season and no goals. Um, so a little bit of a downgrade in offensive production. Um, defending production, there were times where we saw him get burned on the outside due to pace. Um, times where Mecca and Ellie was favored over him. I like Andrew Brody. I I. I I think we all kind of preferred him at right back for a while on this team. And then with the emergence of Anelli, it's like, well, maybe he goes over to the left side. And now Oviedo's kind of, Oviedo's old, don't get me wrong, but Oviedo's kind of taken that job back. I don't know. I, I don't think Andrew Brody's going to be a starter in the 2024 season. I don't think he should be. Maybe he is, but I think Anelli deserves that right back spot. And Oviedo's old, but he did a good job. And I mean, what's one year? removed from this last season like for Oviedo so I don't know I think Andrew Brody maybe does kind of the same thing next year he's maybe a middling defender but like I didn't see too much this year that made me say he's the guy going forward at either side I completely agree maybe it's the teacher in me but I'm going to give grades and he gets a C plus for me just barely above smack dab average in my opinion yeah. he's 28 he is the player now that he is probably going to be for the rest of his career and that's not a bad thing ray gaddis great right back i think he's pretty comparable to andrew brody for me at this point if not even a little bit better and he's an mls lifer and i think that's a fine role to play and for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars against the salary cap it's not a huge hit Andrew Brody, for me, is a good bit piece, but beyond that, I don't think he's ever going to hit the ceiling that we thought he had, and which might have been greater than Aaron Herrera. I don't think he's ever going to get there, but for what the money is, makes a lot of sense. It's just crazy to me that Andrew Brody's at 250k, and Musovsky was, what, 98? Yeah. Is that what he was at? It's all about the that's, raise you want, I think. That's wild to me. Uh, Andrew Brody, I think I would agree. If, if you want to give him a grade, I'd give him a C, because I think last year he was probably more of a B. Uh, 
I I hope going forward he is just the backup guy at outside back, whether he plays on the left, whether he plays on the right. I think his ceiling is too low versus some of the other players that we have, and I want to see those players hit a higher ceiling than he has. I definitely agree with that. Um, Andrew Brody will be interesting to see, especially when his contract is up, which I'm not sure when that is, but if it's up or when it's up, it'll be interesting to see if the team decides to bring him back. Uh, Zach Farnsworth. Poor guy, cannot stay healthy, um, continues to get injured, and the team really loves him. Like, when he comes back from injury, the team will give him opportunities on, like, the bench for the first team and stuff, and we've seen him have opportunities to be able to to maybe even play a little bit. I think he's played a little tiny bit with RSL, not in the regular season, but um, in tournaments and stuff. I think he played a, a tad bit. Um, Zach Farnsworth, very small sample size because he's been injured all the time. Zach Farnsworth is 21 years old, which kind of blows my mind. He looks a little older than that and feels like he's just been with the team forever and we've been trying to get him minutes, and it's just never, ever happened. Personally, I, I love Zach Farnsworth. He's a really nice guy, really good guy. Um, he was, like, really excited to play this year, which sucks. I, I, I almost think that maybe it's time to let him go explore other options. Um, I, I don't know. Is the, is the experiment failed at this point, I guess is the question. For a student that cannot complete the requirements of a term, they get an I for incomplete on their grade, and that's what he gets from me. I can't grade him. I've never seen him play, and it's not his fault. It's just unlucky injuries, and it feels very similar to Jordan Allen in that respect. Just a yeah. career that never quite got off the ground but showed a lot of promise. For me, he gets an incomplete. There's nothing else I can grade him on. Cody. Yeah, I think uh, I just was looking at his injury history here, and, and the fact that it's listed as a hamstring, it, that's so – it's a difficult injury if you don't get it right. has to be uh, a shredded hamstring. Like, for to be at this point, it probably is. is. I mean, yeah. Hamstring like, made of actual ham. When, when you're out hamstring. for as long as, as he's been out with a hamstring injury, that's – not a good sign. I mean, yeah. being and out, it's been other things too. It's been ankle. I think it was knee right. at one point. It's not just been one thing. Right. That is true. Um, I'm fine to move on from him. I think like, I, I don't, I don't know that there is the ceiling for him. And if there is, when is an injury going to happen again? That, yeah. That's the only question that I'd be asking once he is healthy. And at this point too, you have to wonder if he would ever have the chance to supersede guys in starting lineup and like, contend for a spot and i just don't know if he's able to i think rsl at this point is better off signing somebody else as that depth piece or as alex would say bring back haziel roscoe to take that spot which like <laughs> probably you could probably put him even higher sure. you, think, they, you they, think alex would say that i don't know, <laughs> this, I, I don't know if alex would say that we're not even is that haziel roscoe is not even on this list because he did not play with rsl at all this yeah year. thanks for the reminder oh, um dude but he should have had a thousand MLS minutes this year. Let's make, let's make a guest spot for it is egregious that he was not on this roster all season. How often did we struggle? It's oh man. Right back or he's like, or center defensive mid. There are so many opportunities for him. He was terrible at defensive mid for the Monarchs. So don't hear what I'm not saying, but he could have had a thousand MLS minutes this year. But let Cody talk. He has been starting for Larn FC pretty much consistently. Uh, yeah, a Mickey Mouse lost. club. Well, yeah, but he's getting more minutes there than he got with RSL. So that's my point. Uh, is that another we Mickey can... Mouse club. <laughs> that's my point, though, is that we can replace our backups with a Haciel Roscoe, who is currently getting minutes 
in league play, which definitely counts for something. So Alex, I'd give I Hasiel a B this year because he's getting more minutes fair. than most of our team. Alex, I feel like you are probably the highest on Haziel or Roscoe of anybody in the entire RSL fan base. I think uh, I'm higher on Hazi than Hazi is at this point. And it's just become <laughs> this snowball yeah. effect. And uh, I just don't know where else to go. There's there's no more void that I can spill with this space. No more space in the void I can fill with this energy. That's what I was going for. And I got there, but it took me a while. I, I can't. I can't even say his name or I'll go off. Note, note to everybody who was listening to this episode, if you ever want to trigger Alex, just say that Haziel Orozco is too short to play center back. Just, uh, uh, he's 5'8". It, it's your job. It is literally your job to figure out how to play your best players and to minimize their weaknesses and to make the most out of their strengths. It is your job as a coach to do that. To say that he can't do it because he's too short when clearly he's doing it at a high level uh is just so so unbelievably frustrating to me. To, to be able High to level fix monarchs, it, whatever. But when you're deemed, and, and it was the oh, it was the wording of deemed too good for the monarchs, but not good enough for RSL. What are we doing? What are we possibly yeah. doing? In which our feeder team, there's no logical step between the two. Just unbelievable stuff. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Alex, you're you're talking about strengthening the the biggest weaknesses for Haziel Orozco, and a lot of people see that as his height. Are you suggesting that he goes and gets a uh, leg lengthening surgery? I'm just saying it's an option. It's a possibility. As a coach, you've got to put everything out there for your players. If that's what it is, that's what it is. And Pablo needs to donate some bone marrow and make that happen if that's the case. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 100% agree. Uh, we've talked way too long already about Haziel Roscoe. About um, a player that's not on this list. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Justin Glad. Um, Justin Glad, as I mentioned, played the most minutes of any RSL player for the team this year. Um, however, I mean, it improved greatly in my mind. Okay. I will repeat that. Uh, Justin Glad, I think, is a guy who improved greatly offensively this year. Five goals for the team, uh, and then uh, fairly good with, with his passing as well. Um, I think the biggest issue for Justin Glad is you're a defender, and a defender's job is to defend. And I think he took a massive step back this year. This is a guy who last year we were saying was maybe in contention to go play with the U.S. men's national team. And now he doesn't even get a sniff at that. Um, regress, regress quite a bit for Justin Glad, unfortunately. Um, someone remind me of his age real quick while I look it up, hopefully. Because at 26. He is 26. Is insane to me because he's been with the team forever since he was like a teenager. But... Um, I mean, he's getting close to the prime of his age, and this was not a step in the right direction. If we see something like this again, like this performance that he had this last year, next year, maybe he loses his starting spot. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know that I... losing a starting spot's really in his future, but I think it he should be. I think you're right. Well I think you're right to bring up the question, game. but I don't think. I guess he's lost it in the playoffs before, so it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it. He's too ingrained in where the club is trying. He just got a massive payday and you just don't give that to a guy that you're even considering. So did Joe Burrow. I think. And, and, and yeah, it happens all the time that you have to bench guys that play or that get paid very much, but I just don't see it with Justin. I think they'll figure it out. I think it really hurt his season to be rotating the guy next to him as often as they were. And that's why they should have just stuck with Haziel Arasco. I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, they should have just stuck with one of them. It could have been Marcelo or Brian Vera or Haziel Orozco. And they should have just made that 
the play for the rest of the season. I think it'll be fine. I really do. But I don't think U.S. men's national team is ever in this future. I think that nope. ship is unfortunately sailed, and I think we kind of all agree on that point. Yeah, as a fan of the U.S. national team, I, I hope it has sailed. Because yeah, that's fair. the last thing I'd want is is Justin Glad getting smoked uh, at center back for the national team. Um, I think, to me, from my perspective, something that affected Justin this year was probably the amount of pressure that was put on him. I know this is pressure that he's had put on him in the past, and so I'm not going to give him a pass for not living up to that pressure. I think it's his job to live up to that pressure. Um, but when you see somebody like Pablo, who as a defender, you know, sits right above you in a in a you know controlling midfield role, I think that affects you. And I'm not going to say that Justin Glad was bad when Pablo was injured. Justin Glad was pretty bad this whole year. Uh, but I think as he's being asked to do more, he's having a hard time living up to that pressure and and uh, instead of going forward, he's moving backwards uh, in the that that uh, run of games where RSL was unbeaten this year. And uh, he had a couple of goals during that time. That's that is the Justin Glad that we need for the entire season. And really, that's the, obviously that's the team we need for the whole season. But I think Justin Glad's mentality and his performance was a reflection of the team as a whole uh, at times. So. Yeah, I'm looking for another stat that really stands out at me, and I can't find anything um, maybe other than, I mean, goals against is hard to measure for a defender, um, especially if you're, like, not a part of the play necessarily and you, like, didn't miss an assignment. But, I mean, considering goals against, I guess you could say it makes sense that he had the most minutes on the team and he's the guy who is on the field for the most goals against. But um, I wish similar to baseball, there was just an errors category because it felt like his errors had a lot of errors way, way, way up. And for that reason, B minus for Justin Glad this year. Too many game changing mistakes. I yeah, I might minus even feels kind of high. Yeah, I was about to say I might almost go lower than that. He had some, I think, one or two killer red cards this year. Yeah, that lucky for him, we're grading on a curve, and yes. a lot of guys bring that curve down. Yes, against um, <laughs> against Sporting Kansas City is the one that comes to mind where he got the red card. There was another time I can't remember which game it was where he had it was the a first very... thirty seconds of the game. Oh, that was yeah, it was the Sporting Kansas City game. It was a very yeah. bad back pass, and realized he couldn't get there, took down the guy, and it's a red card, and it's a big game. Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe seating changes if we win that game a little bit, but like, uh, it was it was tough to see. I think that's um, the pressure. I think it's partly that you're being expected to move the ball out of the back. Yeah. You're being expected to be the reliable person. And when in your head, all you're saying is I just have to get this pass, right? I just have to get this pass, right? Then you miss the pass. Then you make the bad foul. Now your mentality is off for the next two or three games to get that confidence back. So yeah. again, I think that was a lot of what, what affected him. I think high expectations for Justin guy going into 2024. He needs to improve. If he gets worse, then I do think he's gone. Um, and whether that be via, trade or something else we'll see but um he's he's got to do better than what he did this year um and he mentioned that his exit interview he said scoring goals is great but i got to do better defensively and i think that's something he's going to work on on this offseason so that'll be great uh eric holt a guy who again injury i didn't get to see a ton of him this year exit interviews was fun to see him he's, he's got like this big gnarly beard now which i've never seen from eric holt so he kind of looks like a viking which is pretty cool um, but, but, uh, Eric Holt worked a lot on his cardio in the off season, was excited to be with the team on a long-term extension instead of just a year. I personally was, was excited. I had high hopes of, of Eric Holt being able to play well at center back this year. 
uh, and playing a little more free. He did get some minutes with the team, didn't look particularly great in those minutes, and then gets injured and is out for the year. Um, and so maybe it's a little uh, kind of like same sort of situation with Justin Glad, where like he kind of regressed. He looked maybe more positive last year than he did in the minutes that he had this year. And coming back in, from an injury is never easy, especially a long-term one like he had. He's got to do better next year, or he's going to lose his depth spot on the team. And I think, I, I personally think we're talking about all these center backs. Center back for me is the biggest spot of need for RSL in the offseason. Like we need, I, 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 maybe I'm crazy because I I keep saying Justin Glad and Brian Vera are clear starters there, but like, I don't know. If we go out and make a big splash signing at center back, who's to say that like Justin Glad, there's a lot of games. Like we there's going to be rotation. Did. We did. We did make a big splash signing at center back. That's what I really want to make sure people Left understand. Back. Brian Vera was a big signing at center back. Left back. Elliot missed. Elliot missed. Again, I don't think we've, we've talked about it. I'm not going to rehash it, but that was probably his biggest miss is Brian Vera. And so if we're looking at center back, we tried to make that move and we have tried to make that move season after season after season. How long have we been looking for a guy to pair next to Justin Glad? It wasn't Natum. It hasn't really been Marcelo forever more than a season at a time. It's not Brian Vera, I don't think, and I don't think that's going to change. It hasn't been so many other guys, and I think it's kind of our white whale. And I, if only we could promote from within, but apparently that doesn't seem to be a possibility. This is too long of a way to say that Eric Holt is also not that guy. And like you said, Ethan, he's probably on thin ice, so much so that his spot on the roster is probably in jeopardy moving forward. And unfortunately, much like Zach Farnsworth, I have to give him an eye for this season because he just simply didn't play enough to warrant a grade, and I can't hold that against him. Yeah, I, I, it's too bad that he that he did pick up the injury that he did. I would have liked to have seen him get some more experience and just see what he was capable of this year. Uh, I don't care if we have him next year. If he's gone, then that, that's probably for the best at this point. Um, you guys nailed it. But defense is our biggest position that we are in need of at the moment. We shored up a lot of our attacking questions last year. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do that in defense next yep. year. I agree. Um, Eric Holt, man. I mean, if you're going to play, please be good this next year. I want it. Um, I guess we'll just talk about Brian Vera because I know Alex is itching to do that. So let's just jump ahead to Brian Vera. Uh, goal of the year candidate. Uh, some Nice, maybe a little fortunate free kicks this year. Um, we know he can hit it from distance now, though, so uh, he will be on free kicks quite a bit, I'm sure, next year. Not great defensively. He did make some some errors, but I also think he's learning. And I think, Alex, I'm glad you finally admitted that he's a center back because I was whoa, thinking, whoa, whoa. yeah, yeah, you admitted it. That. Center back signing. I heard, I heard it on this. Oh episode. yes, I, I, I think that. we've forced him to be a center back signing. Yeah, that's I don't fine. Think but he is Alex, a center back. Have you ever seen a left back as big as Brian Vera is? Like, have you ever seen this like huge left back dude? Nah, man, it's always center back. Like those big beefy dudes, like Brian. I've Vera, never seen center a center back as small as Hazi Alarasco, and yet he still is one. Ethan is he though? Not for RSL. <laughs> he's not. He's not. Get wrecked. Um, no, I I thought Brian Vera did okay. I think he, I feel like he actually got. Better at the end of the season. Maybe that's a hot take for Alex and too much for him to handle. But um, I I think he got a little bit better as as the season went on. I think off-season, getting acclimated to the team, 
improving on some things. I mean, I, I brought up with him and said that he led the team in yellow cards and he like felt kind of guilty and was like, yeah, I, I've got to do better on that. So I think something he's going to be working on, hopefully, is like his his patience and discipline on the field. I think if he does that, he'll be fine. I don't, I just don't see it. He, his defensive reads are just so slow. I remember the LA game. We're looking at a breakaway in which Marcelo and the rest of the back line is 10 yards ahead of where Brian Farah is. And he just keeps people on, or maybe it was the inverse. Maybe he had stepped really high to pressure, but there were just so many times when he felt to me, like he was defending independent of the fact that he is part of a team and a unit that is supposed to defend together. It just has never looked like a plan with any possible outcome for the future. It just felt like a Band-Aid all season long to me. And I think the attributes that we really like about Brian Vera in that he can shoot from distance, in that he can create in and around goal, and that he can very well suited to a left back and all season long, he just felt like a left back masquerading as a center back. And that's a bummer to me because I think we've wasted a season of his development. And I think he's at the age. What is he? 24 turning 25. He's 24. Give him a break. He's a little bitty baby boy. He's learning. You don't really learn a new position this late. We're talking about Zach Farnsworth at 21 and how his ship might have already sailed. I'm not saying this is the player he'll be for the rest of his career. Uh, so don't hear that, but I don't think he is going to become much more than he is right now. I think his yes, ceiling is not as high game. at center back as his ceiling would be at left back. Yes, and unfortunately, every once in a while, there's a old buddy transition from what? Defensive midfielder to right back did a fine job. Last Who is year. this? I missed it. Jasper Lawson. He was twenty five last year, so he transitioned to a different position at that. Yeah, point. but he never he never played any of those at an extremely high level. Again, he felt like a band aid at all of those positions, anyways, and that's why he doesn't last year end he the season job. starting in any position. Yes, and then and then all of a sudden the band aid falls off, and you realize he can't keep up with guys like Ameka well, or give Brody. me Brian Vera's band aid that where he looks really good at center back for a year. I'll take it. I just I think he's more of a band aid than he is a cast. I don't think he's that sturdy, and I Cody, think every once Cody in a while there's there is a student that you look at whose grade is not reflective of the work they are capable of. And you have to acknowledge that a part of it is your fault. And I hope Pablo Mastroeni, I hope Pablo Mastroeni has had that moment this off season and realizes that he cannot continue to play him at center back. But unfortunately the grade is the grade and it's going to be a C minus for me. Wow. All right. I think, I think most of what you guys have said is fair. I'm a little bit higher on Brian Vera. I think, uh, I, he has made his his share of mistakes. I think coming from it was the he was playing in the Colombian league before he came here, right? That that's where he was at. I think that yeah. is typically a more physical league. I think it's a more uh, physical area. What I think we signed Brian Vera for was his outlook, not necessarily what he provided at the moment. However, he was asked to fill in a role that Marcelo Silva could not fill this year, and. I think the growth for him going forward is hopefully optimistic. I I hope he ends up growing and learning and, you know, finding out how to play in, in MLS play and some things that I wanted to, to highlight a little bit, Ethan, to against your point, you mentioned, you don't know if you've seen a left back as big as Brian Vera. Brian Vera is listed at five foot 11. No, no. Brian I mean, like Shea is listed at six foot three. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would pick Breck Shea in a fight over Brian Vera. Ooh. Breck Shea is a, is a hulking human being. I mean, uh, and I mean, and and to nice. to Alex's point a little bit, Hasiel Roscoe is listed at five ten. Brian we have to stop saying 11. that, man. Okay, I, I will okay. get put on a list. I, sh- I, I don't bring I don't bring up Hasiel Roscoe's name to bring him back into the conversation. I bring it up to say that Brian Vera is not necessarily this huge person in the defense, but I think he I think his presence is a big presence. What's his Wait, bench? How, how did you say Hasi is? How much does he bench? How how That's much does I mean. who bench? You talking about Brian Brett Vera. Shea? No, Brian Vera. I was I was this... in big in bigger guys. I wasn't indicating height wise. I was talking about you're saying he's buff. He's a beefy boy. Yeah, <laughs> so is Bre- so is Breck Shea. Mm, no, he's not. Breck, Breck Shea has had skinny. way too much airtime on this podcast. Breck he has. Shea. So has Ciel Roscoe. My final thoughts for Brian Vera is that I am optimistic about the future of Brian Vera. If we can get, if, if he, sorry, not if we, if he can get his mind right for how to play in Major League Soccer and how to play alongside Justin Glad, because I don't think Justin Glad's going anywhere. Breckshay is 181 pounds. <laughs> we have got to stop way. talking about Breckshay. But there I'm are too many people on this list for us to continue talking about Breckshay. We true. have to hit hyperspeed just, on the on just, these just last for, Oh, shoot. Brian Bear is 170 pounds. I guess I ate my words. Whatever. Uh, hyperspeed. He's a strong guy. Okay. Uh, Brian Oviedo, 33-year-old center <laughs> left back, returning with RSL. Um, Brian Oviedo did a good job at the end of the season, especially I think he reclaimed that left back spot pretty well. Um, I personally think when we talk about Emeka and Ellie, he might he might start working on his left back play, but I think Oviedo did a great job. And personally, I think he secured the left back left back spot for a starter going into twenty twenty four. Yes, <laughs> I. I, I think Alex gives it a yes. Professor I, Alex, I think, he's, I think he's good depth. Like you mentioned at the end of the year, I think he looked a lot good better depth. and a lot closer to the guy who he's was starting starter. World Cup games than the guy who started respect. the season for RSL. However, I think Brian Vera should be starting at left back, so I don't agree that Oviedo should be the starter. I think he's good depth. And for that reason, he gets a B+. Plus. Have fun with Nelson Quinone's Vinicius Jr. light on the right side, running right past Brian Vera because he can't keep up with him. Oviedo's got a anyway, better shot at that. Than uh, <laughs> I say, I, I think I think Oviedo is probably best suited to me as a backup piece uh, for this team. I think if you want to compete, if you want to improve your defense, you've got to have a, d- a better defender out there. Whether that's Brian Vera and we, we get a new center back or that's a, it, it's a new left back, well, whatever that looks like. I think you, I think you, there's room to improve over Oviedo, but you can keep him as a depth piece. That's probably something we'll talk about in the future too, Alex, but that's right. If you move Brian Vera to the left back, You've got to sign someone else to center back because there's no one else that's going to start there. You can't. Or you just bring Hasiel Orozco back. Yeah, guess what? The team's not going to do that. Um, Free space speaking, on the RSL season pass bingo board. Speaking of Marcelo Silva, um, regressed quite a bit. Just a guy who has lost it quite a bit. Uh, we talked about Dami on the attacker episode, Cody and I. Um, it's a similar situation, I feel like, with Marcelo Silva not playing as well as he has in the past, getting a little bit older, still injury prone as we saw this year. Um, and I, I think that he's kind of probably a replaceable piece at this point. Guy who's not consistently starting. Um, he's still under contract with the team, so maybe next year he leaves. But I think that there's somebody else that could play better minutes at center back this year for RSL. And I think maybe that guy's Kevon Lambert, who we'll talk about in the midfield uh, episode. Maybe it's Kevon Lambert who gets more minutes than Marcelo at that center back spot this year. I don't know. I don't like Marcelo for next year, though. 
And Marcelo's contract is an interesting one because according to the club press release on December 16th, 2022, RSL and defender Marcelo Silva have agreed on a new multi-year contract for the 2023 MLS season and beyond. So that reads to me, multi is at least two. So through 2023, through 2024, but could also be 2025. And that feels like a lot. So hopefully it's not. But man, he feels just cooked. There were some, mo- and he is over the last five. Marcelo Silva will be thirty-six years old. Third, yeah, over the last seven years, I think Marcelo Silva is probably my favorite RSL player, uh, and that includes Rusnak and wow. Dami. And I just love the man. I just think he was very, very fun for a very long time. But I do think that time has come to an end. And when somebody's time comes to an end, their grade is normally reflective of that. I'm going to go D plus for Marcelo. He was bad in a lot of moments this year uh, after a strong start, which is tough. And I think if you show that potential and then you regress so far so fast, your grade should be reflective of that. So that is my thoughts on Marcelo Silva. I don't think he gets any better. I don't think he stays any healthier. And I think the best is behind us. I agree. I think Marcelo Silva. I think. Honestly, the best for Marcelo Silva was was behind him probably a while ago. Uh, as far as the best that he can give, I he think... had a renaissance year last season. Like he was, he was very good last year. In some regard, yes, I would say for Marcelo the person, I, I think he's played better in, in different leagues before he came to Major League Soccer. Um, I think, uh, I, I think we have to move on from him. Uh, he's not. He's probably a depth piece uh, as far as center back if we keep him but it was very clear that he lost a step trying to keep up with players trying to get back to tackles that he was too late on uh when that happens it's 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 kind of time and major league soccer as a whole is i don't know if you guys share the same sentiment but it seems like we're moving towards an era of very quick players uh, a lot of behind the back through balls or being able to, to to be able to to just get behind players with speed, it's a lot less technical. I think Marcelo Silva plays better against technical players. Um, but yeah, I, I he didn't do great this year, and I don't think he would do good next year. Yeah, to be fair, fun fact about Marcelo Silva, he actually weighs the same as Breck Shea at 181 pounds. Um, Marcelo Silva is the fam- <laughs> <laughs> Marcelo Silva is the family dog that you have loved forever, had some great memories with, and it's probably about time to just like put him down. <laughs> That's really that's a really sad analogy because our family just put down their family dog like two or three days ago. Yeah, I was so thinking about Ethan that. Knows that. Like, Why are you bringing that up, Ethan? That's a wow. touchy Fresh subject, wind. right? No, now. it was it was just the the analogy I could think of, which I think is a fair analogy. Probably, I don't know. It's a little dark, but it's probably fair. Um, and to Grace's point, sorry, I've just gone way off the tracks here because we're been recording for so long we got to speed run this we have to speed run this christian fuchs used to play for leicester city was 196 pounds and he played a left back so i guess i'm just just disproving um i know no one cares about that (laughs) who weighed more your family dog or breck shea i didn't know if okay um, let's move on Bodhi Hidalgo. season pass after hours Bodhi hidalgo Hidalgo, i i think played well and Developed pretty well this season. Got a lot more minutes. Obviously has the trust of Pablo Mastroeni. And I think we'll probably see even more minutes last than last year, this next year in 2024, from him. Um, a guy who can play really dual position-wise at right back and kind of right wing even. Um, a guy who's a cardio king, gets a lot of minutes out there, and Pablo loves him. 
Um, and I think his development is probably right on par with something that maybe we want to see from him. Uh, maybe expectation-wise, a little bit better than we thought. I, I personally didn't think Bodie Hidalgo was going to turn out to be anything useful. But he's proving me wrong. And he's he played pretty well this year. I think he's got the opportunity to develop into a very good player in this league and potentially be sold at some point. Agree. I never saw it with the Monarchs. He played a lot of Monarchs minutes, and he just never stood out to me. And now he's getting a real run. And it's crazy what an opportunity will do for a player when you've got the confidence of the coach. But I digress. I think he had a above-average season. And above average normally nets you about a B, and that feels like what he deserves. So that's where I land on Bodie Hidalgo. Well said. Um, I think it's, for me, my feelings on Bodie are a little bit, uh, I could go one way or the other. He's only 21 years old, so it's awesome to see him get as much playing time as he did at only 21 years old. However, at some point, he's going to have to, to find either a balance, a better balance between the two, or find his role as a more defensive outside back or more attacking outside back. If you're asking him to play as an attacking outside back, he only had one assist this year. So that number is going to have to increase if he wants to be that attacking outside back. If he's going to be a defensive uh, outside back, I think he did better in that role this year. But I I, I don't know if he's best suited for that. Um, again, he's only 21, so I think he has time to figure that out still and, and develop. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got a lot of bright years ahead of him. Uh, Emeka Anelli, uh, last defender on the list we've got three other goalkeepers to get to but last defender Emeka Anelli um breakout player this year he was last year's he was this year he was last year's Jasper Loffelson um played fantastic I you guys know my sentiment deserves to be the starter right back for this team going forward I think um I think he's got a lot of developing to do still uh, especially defending wise but his passing looks looks okay he could probably improve there too but pace wise it's something I really uh, like about him. His ability to keep up with guys on the wing is essential. And Andrew Brody, as I mentioned, was getting cooked at several times this year. And so I think Emeka Anelli's innate characteristics give him a little bit of an edge over Andrew Brody. I want him starting next year. And I love Emeka Anelli. And I'm going to give him a grade before you do, Alex, because no Emeka Anelli slander. It's going to be an A for me, dog. It was going to be an A for me as well. You can't yeah, ask let's go. More rookie than we got from him. It'll be interesting to see if he has a sophomore slump similar to Jasper Leffelsund. I don't think he will, but I do think it will depend on if he can solidify his place on the roster. You can only get so far as a Swiss Army knife, and I think he's probably best at right back over center mid. But I think it's, it's more close. Of a need I think too. if you just land on one of those two and continue to give him opportunities there, he will really grow. But I think it'll be tough on this roster to cement himself in either of those positions. But again, I think it was yeah. great. Ethan, you went to a preseason game and called your shot and you were right. And that feels good. I think um, I, I would share the same sentiment. I, I would give him an A as well if I was giving grades for, yeah, for this. I think... Um, and I think that's because of the expectation you have for somebody like Emeka Anelli. You don't expect a rookie to come in and make the kind of impact that he made. And not only did he make that a, a, a solid and positive impact with the time that he got, he really minimized his mistakes uh, in play. Something else to keep in mind with him, he is 24, so he's a little bit older than some of the other players. I think we view him still as a rookie, and so we think he's a little bit younger. But being 24 years old, he does have a little bit more experience. Um and so he, his ceiling may be a little bit lower as far as what he can achieve in the future. But I think for what he did last year, if he can grow off that even in the slightest, he's a really solid player. 
give him a five-year max deal, but he's deserved it. And I want to point out, too, I think I was the one in the preseason training who told Ethan that, that Emeka Nelly looked good, and then Ethan brought it up on the podcast. So I'm going to steal some of that share. Uh, well, regardless, I'm getting credit for it or not. I, I had it agreed with you. Sure, whatever. I'll give you some credit. We'll, we'll split it 50-50. I'm fine with that. I'm good um, Okay, let's let's move on from Emeka Nelly. We've got the goalkeepers to talk about. Um, we're going to start off with Alex's uh, second favorite player on the team. It's Gavin Beavers. Um, Beavers played well in the shots that he had and the opportunities he had, but was put into really crappy situations this year, and I think that was the biggest issue for Gavin Beavers. Um, sorry, can you guys hear my baby screaming and crying? That's what Pablo Mastroeni does anytime somebody asks him to play Gavin sorry. Beavers. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought Beavers... <laughs> he says, can you hear my baby crying? I no, thought he Beavers weeps had... like a baby. <laughs> I thought I thought Beavers had opportunities this year. I think I personally think he'll get maybe the same amount of opportunities next year, which kind of stinks because the shelf life of a, of a keeper is very long, and Zach McMath still hasn't proved or shown that he's lost it yet. And so I think Gavin Beavers maybe still gets shots and opportunities and spots in different moments. Pablo probably picks those for him, and I I think I'll say this: I think his moments that he gets next year are better than the moments he had this year. Because the moments he had this mm. year were not great moments to shove him into and like just start playing him. So I think he gets better opportunities next year, and he probably looks better because of it. And then I think next year, 2025, he probably takes over as the starting goalkeeper. Yeah, I completely agree, Ethan. I think he was similar to Brian Vera, put in positions to fail over and over again. You look at the spot starts that he got, putting him in the starting position on the road in Columbus was brutal. We were just absolutely set up uh, to get shellacked that game. And we did. And what are you expecting from a, a kid's confidence in that sort of situation? So I would hope, like you're mentioning, that his opportunities are a little bit softer next year when he does get them. But I really, truly believe that he has the capabilities to be the starter. However, Zach McBath did turn it on at the end of the year. And Beavers was, unfortunately, not without his mistakes. However, I still believe, given the whole season, Beavers has a much higher ceiling than Zach McMath, and I think it is worth it as both an organization that's looking to buy and sell players and as a team that is trying to win games to give Mc, uh, or McMath, wow, to give Beavers that opportunity over and over again and really force feed him those minutes to see if he's ready, because I think he is. However, because of those mistakes, I am going to have to hold him to about a C+. But again, this one is more on the teacher and the coach than it is on the player. Yep, I think you guys have both nailed it for Beavers. I think his ceiling is very high as long as uh, he is developed. Um, and honestly, I think as long as he's given opportunities to succeed. Um, because you, you can't keep giving him the opportunities that he had this year and expecting him to be successful and confident mentally. Um, which confidence is big for a goalkeeper. Um, so I, I would love to see him steal some playing time from McMath next year. Right now, it kind of looks like he's going to be in the same spot he was uh, this previous year. I hope that's not the case. I do hope that he's able to leapfrog Zach McMath this year, but we'll see what happens. Footgrass Gomez, in case you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Toe Moss Gomez. You guys got it? That was a really bad dad joke, but I hope someone out there got it. Alex processing, <laughs> processing. It's too late. Okay. It's too late. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tomas late. Gomez. I think a lot of people might not share my sentiment about Tomas Gomez. Personally, I, 
I was just like, let's get rid of him. Like he's just like a waste of a roster spot, like a clog. But in his exit interviews, he seemed like surprisingly willing to just chill on the bench and like be a mentor for like guys like Gavin Beavers and like help out where he can, like kind of just be like the proverbial water boy for the team, which is kind of weird from like a 28 year old goalkeeper who should be in like the prime of their career. But he seems like he really wants to stay with RSL. He will this next year under contract and I'm fine with it. Guy who never plays to just be the team cheerleader. Mm. Sure. I'll keep him third string goalkeeper. I've got nothing against him. He is the highest grade on this report card. He gets an A plus because he did not put it wrong all season. And you know, I bet that bench was pretty warm. I bet he did a great job in that regard. I Uh, bet. Call me crazy. I bet he is heavier than Breckshay. There, I said it. I'm gonna look it up. Ooh, I I I would believe it. My my final thoughts uh, here is just, I would love to get paid to do that same amount of work that he does. Um, and so I'm sure he is happy with it. Ethan, that laugh tells me that he has got to be heavier than Breck Shea. He's 13 pounds heavier than Breck Shea. Oh, boom. What's Breck Shea's full name? Isn't it like Breckenold Shea or something like that? Breckenold. Maybe. Yep. That's actually yeah. a front runner for one of the names of my uh, child. <laughs> it's Breckenold. Gavin Beavers is heavier than Breck Shea. Gavin Beavers, 183 pounds. Eric Holtz, 185 pounds. Goodness me. Tell me Breck Shea's Dane Breck and Shea. I knew that. Man, I'm getting old, dude, because I flown off the rails. We have. We have. Alex, let's get back on track and finish out this episode. I used to stay. I used to. No, I didn't stay up. I used to wake up so early to watch Breck Shea maybe get off the bench for a Premier League, a bad Premier League team. Good Breck and old. Used to wake up at six to see if DeAndre Yedlin might make an appearance for Spurs. How far we've come, boys. And now we get to watch Serginho Des pull red cards and friendlies. So, not friendlies, but and US Men's National Team games. Uh, we've gotten way off track. So, we're just going to finish up the episode with one last guy to talk about, and that is Zach McMath, guy who played pretty well this year. I think he started off the season a little rough, and that was probably due to his injury, as he mentioned in the exit interview. Um, however, got a lot more better as the season wore on. Stood on his head in the last few games, made some really important saves near the end of the season. I think he did the best he possibly could with what he had as well. Um, and like I said, I think he starts next year as the goalkeeper for this team until he shows that he loses it. And maybe he loses it next year and we get a Gavin Beavers replacement at some point in the season, but I don't see it. And Zach McMath is great and he's going to be the starter for this team and I love him. I've said for the last two years that I don't think he has had a save that has changed a result for us that another goalie could not make until about the last two half or two months of the season. And I think he had three. If memory serves, there were three saves that I don't think uh, 80% of other goalkeepers get to in MLS. And I think that is important. So I'm happy about that. And for that reason, he's going to get a strong B+. Uh, but I don't think he should be the starter. So that's really what keeps him from an A is my own personal bias towards Gavin Beavers. I still share the same sentiment as saying that I don't think he is really anything special or has been really anything special personally. Um, I was a little concerned on some of his lack of, well, I know his, his distribution has been a concern for a while and I think it still is. Um, I think his effort uh, that he gives on some plays could leave a little bit to be wanted. Uh, 
And that's my own personal feeling about it. I, I fully acknowledge that I may be wrong in some of those situations, but I would agree in saying that I don't think he should be the starter next year either. I really would love if we can give Gavin Beavers a shot. It seems like a lot of these young players we've talked about hit a ceiling where we say, yes, they should be a starter, but they're not. Or yes, they should be doing better, but they're not. With Elliott Fall being out and you know this, this big changeup that's happening with the assistants and a lot of management right now, Let's find a way to get them to be starters. Let's find a way to get these players in positions to succeed. Any final comments on the episode before we wrap things up today, boys? I have nothing. Thank you for Alex is back. The longest episode. 20 minutes over. In RSL season pass history. (laughs) I think this is the longest episode in RSL season pass history. Thank you for listening to the episode and staying awake Longer than Alex. I see him yawning over there, and it's way past his bedtime. So we got to go ahead and get out of here. Once again, thank you, everybody, to li- for listening to the episode, everyone who has listened. Um, be sure to find our episodes at www.rslseasonpass.com and leave a question in the pod trivia database. Also, thank you, everybody who's left a rating or review. Leave one if you feel so inclined wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, you can find Alex at Alex Mauer on Twitter. You can find Cody at the Kodiak one on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw nine, and we will have an episode next week. So until then, we will talk to you all then. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of RSL season pass. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review wherever you download your podcasts. If you didn't enjoy the show, uh, please keep that to yourself. Be sure to check back next week for a new episode. Same time, same place.